So freedom, law, and conscience. So the dictionary says, freedom means the power or right to act, speak or think as one wants without hindrance or constraint. So to be truly free is to be aware of having choices and the possibility of being free to act on those choices in a way that who would serve ourselves and our community best. So to be truly free can be defined as the exertion of the power each individual has to consciously and independently choose from a potential bundle of pertinent at his disposal. The ability to be free is not in the capacity to say yes to everything, but to say yes only to which really matters to you and that you decide is beneficial for you and for everyone else. So you could see, no, it is always for the common good. For the whatever decision you make, it should be beneficial for everyone. So there are various dimensions of human freedom. So we have freedom from coercion, is the freedom to carry out externally what one has decided upon without impediments from outside agents. Like for example, the freedom of expression, freedom of organization, freedom of religion, freedom of due process. Freedom of choices without being bound by internal determinism. It is not destined, it's unavoidable, it's predestined. So they say that uh, usually tradition is on this uh, part of freedom, no? Without being bound. Minsan, sometimes we say it's tradition, but mostly tradition spells superstitions. Freedom that refers to not being enslaved or disordered by passion. Human freedom is found in the identity that is ours in union with Christ. So a union that makes us, by the grace of adoption, God's dearly beloved children. Our human freedom is in the light of salvation history. On account of the original fall, the freedom, the freedom man had received from God became subject to the slavery of sin. By his glorious cross, Christ has won salvation for all men. He redeemed them from the sin that helped them bondage. As St. Paul says, we are dearly loved children, created in the image of God, to reflect God's character by loving. This is our true self, our deepest identity, our ultimate destiny. Hence, we can act freely only when we exercise the power to live as God's created image and arrive at a state in which we possess only our own properties that is, the properties, that image of God. Freedom understood in a Christian way, then, is the power to live as we were created, to live and to be what we were meant to be. It is in the state of willing and acting as God's dear children. True freedom originates with God, 
and becomes ours by grace. The grace that unites us to the glorified humanity of Jesus, the source of our being, and the freedom that goes with it. The freedom of God's children, Pope Francis explained in his homily, is the fruit of reconciliation with the Father, brought about by Jesus who took upon himself the sins of all humanity and redeemed the world with his death on the cross. No one can take this identity from us. The possibility that man's sin did not stop God from deciding to create us free. Authorities should respect freedom and not place limits beyond those required by just laws. At the same time, one shouldn't forget that for decisions, choices to be good, it is not enough that they be free and that only in the light of immense value of freely affirming the good can one understand the ethical requirement to respect people's fallible freedom. Our freedom, our choices, our power to choose depends on our relationship with God, who is the truth. When we distance ourselves from God, we go wako. We don't understand ourselves when God our Creator is forgotten. Saint Jose Maria each day would say, Lord, do not depart from me, for without you I can do no good at all. From Bob Dylan's song, freedom is just around the corner for you, but with truth so far, what good will it do? So now you believe in the Philippine democracy. You believe that, the, that a constitutional government of free citizens is the best government. But will you not vote this coming May election? You do not follow traffic laws? With these actuations of yours, you could be convinced as a liar, a fraud. It is similar to our spiritual life. When one professes his faith but not, does not prove it by deeds, then our Lord would say to you, or would say, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, warns Jesus. But the one who does the will of my Father in heaven shall enter the kingdom of God. Thus, if we believe in God, we must do what God asks from us. It is to obey his laws. God's law it is, is an expression of God's infinite love and infinite wisdom. So like for example, if we buy a home appliance of some kind, we use it according to the manufacturer's directions. So the man who made it knows best how it should be used in order to work effectively and give lasting satisfaction. Now God is our creator and knows best what will contribute most to the good and happiness of his creatures, and that is the human race. Thus, we can say that God's law is simply the book of instructions which accompanies God's noble product, which is man. Law is an ordinance of reason for the common good, promulgated by one who is in charge of the community, community as St. Thomas Aquinas wrote. 
So law is primarily a reasonable plan of action, a certain rule and measure of acts whereby man is induced to act or is restrained from acting. So there is the eternal law, is the divine wisdom of God, which oversees the common good and governs everything. It is God's plan to lead all creation towards God's eternal salvific plan to be holy and blameless before him through Jesus Christ. So what is the divine law? Divine law is the historical laws of scripture given to us through God's self-revelation. It is divided into old law and the new law, which corresponds to the old and the new testaments of the Bible. So the old law revealed by God to Moses is summed up in the Ten Commandments. The new law perfects the old law. It is the written law found in Christ's teachings in the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and the moral catechism of the apostles. So moral theologians in discussing the divine law distinguish between natural law and positive law. Conduct such as reverence of children towards parents, fidelity in marriage, respect for the person and the property of other belongs to the very nature of man. So such conduct which man's conscience, judgment guided by right reason tells him is right is called the natural law. So such conduct would be right and its opposite and its opposite evil even if God had not specifically said so. So like for example, adultery would be wrong even if there is no sixth commandment. So violation of the natural law are said to be intrinsically evil that is wrong by their very nature. Besides the divine natural law, there's also the divine positive law. So these are actions which are good simply because God has commanded them or evil simply because God has forbidden them. Whether we consider divine natural law or divine positive law, it is in the obedience to God that our happiness lies. The church is the authentic interpreter of the natural law. The most general precepts of the church are the following. First, to attend the entire Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation. Second, confess one's mortal sins at least once a year when in danger of death and when needed in order to receive communion. Third, to receive communion at least once a year during Easter season. The fourth, to fast and abstain from eating meat on days established by the church to assist the church in its needs. So these are the general precepts of the church. But as Catholic, we cannot just do these minimal things, no? Because we want to show how much we love our Lord by always, of course, talking to Him through prayers, Mortify good actions. You have to go to the sacraments to receive all the graces that is needed. So freedom and law. Free behavior does not stem from in instinct or from a physical or biological necessity. 
Instead, it is guided by each person according to each one's knowledge of good and evil. One freely carries out the good contained in the moral law and freely avoids evil known by means of the same law. So the denial of the good known through the moral law is not freedom, but sin. What, does, what goes against the moral law is sin, not freedom. So now we go to moral conscience. A right and true conscience refers to a conscience that judges truthfully regarding the moral quality of an act. An erroneous conscience fails to reach the truth, viewing a good action that in reality is bad or vice versa. To form a right conscience requires instructing the intellect in the knowledge of the truth for which a Catholic relies on the help of the church magisterium, and education the will and the emotions through the practice of virtues. This is an effort that lasts one's entire life. Now, in order to form one's conscience correctly, humility is especially important, attained by being sincere with God and in spiritual direction.